Good evening, everybody. Tonight we're talking about prayer, and we're specifically asking the question, what does it mean to pray without ceasing? And this is part of our series that we're doing for the Healthy Discipleship Community. And uh, once a week we do these live training calls, these live coaching calls, and we've been selecting different topics. And again, tonight we're talking about what does it mean to pray without ceasing? So a few things as we start up here, even before we get into our discussion in just a little bit, let me just mention something about prayer specifically. Prayer is a vital part of a growing Christian's life. It's the natural outpouring of a healthy relationship with the Lord. It demonstrates the depth of a believer's relationship with Christ. Prayer is not something that we should ever underestimate. Prayer isn't something that we should minimize. It's Again, here, as you can see on the slide, we're talking about the fact that prayer is a vital part of a growing Christian's life. If you want to grow in your walk with the Lord, if you want to grow in faith, prayer is absolutely a vital part. And as I mentioned here, it's it's the natural outpouring of a healthy relationship with the Lord. It's something that demonstrates the depth of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, there's a collection of verses in the second half of 1 Thessalonians 5 that really gives uh, just a great series of wise counsel for growing Christians. And I had the privilege to speak on this passage this past Sunday in church. I also shared on the blog some thoughts related to this. But I want to just read a small section of this as we get started this evening. And it's from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting with verse 16, and I'm reading down to verse 18. But it says this, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So this was what the Apostle Paul was encouraging the church at Thessalonica to do. Again, he's saying, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And tonight we're specifically focusing on what he said in verse 17, because that's a statement that for many people they wonder, what exactly was Paul meaning when he stated this? And what was the Holy Spirit trying to communicate through the Apostle Paul in using these specific words, pray without ceasing. What does that mean, to pray without ceasing? So that's what we're going to spend our time looking at this evening and discussing, and uh, I hope you'll have some uh, good discussion uh, about this and some of your perspectives on this in just a little bit when we open the mics back up. But praying without ceasing is what we're, we're talking about, and I thought it would probably be practical as we start off this evening to talk about what praying without ceasing doesn't mean. Because I think a lot of people look at that, and if you take that, that statement in an extremely legalistic fashion, it would be very easy to look at that and say, okay, may, maybe it means that I shouldn't engage in any other activity. So when I come to faith in Jesus Christ, maybe the primary thing that I should be doing all day, every day, is kind of abandoning all other activities and just engaging in prayer. And I'm going to contend that that's not what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, pray without ceasing. Uh, so he's not trying to say you cannot engage in any other activity. That's not what he's getting at there. This isn't some sort of legalistic response uh, from the Apostle Paul. He's also not saying 
that you must remain in solitude with your head bow, your head bowed and your eyes closed uh, perpetually, right? Now, when I, I pray, I tend to close my eyes and, and bow my head. Most of the time when I'm praying, that's the posture that I'm taking. But quite frequently when I'm praying, uh, I'm in my car and I'm, I tend to be the one behind the wheel in that car. And so I don't think it would be rather wise or rather good for me to bow my head and close my eyes while I'm behind the steering wheel. And so I'm contending that when, when the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write these words, pray without ceasing, he's not saying that I must remain in solitude with my head bowed and my eyes closed perpetually. That's not what he's getting at here. And a third thing I'd say that that scripture is not saying is that it's not saying that I'm supposed to ignore general life responsibilities or other spiritual disciplines. Because in life, we know that there are a variety of things that we're called to do. And um, some of these things are part of our role with our family or just our role of, uh, you know, just being a good neighbor. I know that last night here in our context, we had the power go out. Actually, it went out in the afternoon yesterday. We had a very, very fast storm come through our area here and uh, didn't last very long, but it knocked the power out and it ripped all sorts of trees down and knocked a whole bunch of things down. It was an it was a very, very big mess. And so last night, with the help of one of my friends who loaned me a generator, we got a generator set up behind the house and we had some electricity to, to run our refrigerator and to run a fan and to run a light and, and to charge up our devices and, and things like that. We were even able to get the Wi-Fi running in the house. And, you know, I've got a wife and four kids and I got to tell you, um, they seem to appreciate the effort that was being put into restoring power, even just in a limited capacity, to our home. And, uh, and so I'm saying, you know, that praying without ceasing doesn't mean that I then ignore general life responsibilities. I still have a responsibility to my household to care for day-to-day needs. And I'm also saying that praying without ceasing doesn't mean that I ignore other spiritual disciplines. So there are other aspects of, of walking with Christ that certainly matter. Exercising my spiritual gift um, you know, uh, uh, of teaching or, or um, you know, taking the time to, to share the gospel with somebody. That's not something that should be ignored. That's not what it's saying when, when uh, Scripture tells us to pray without ceasing. Uh, and so I wanted to mention that at the outset here, because I, I, I think sometimes it's helpful when we're defining something that might confuse some people, is if we just kind of eliminate some of the some of the objections to this or some of the confusion surrounding this. This isn't what Paul was getting at. He wasn't saying that praying without ceasing means that we can't engage in other activity or that we have to remain with our eyes closed and our heads bowed perpetually and that we have to ignore other responsibilities in life and other spiritual disciplines. That's not what Paul was getting at when he spoke about praying without ceasing. So what does it mean? Well, when we're talking about praying without ceasing— This is a concept that has much to do with the attitude of our heart. So think about the attitude of your heart right now, and think about the attitude attitude of your heart in any general context. Praying without ceasing has a lot to do with the attitude or the posture of your heart. And when we pray without ceasing, we're practicing this discipline when we live with an attitude of communion submission, and communication with the Lord. If your day-to-day context, your day-to-day life is spent 
living with an attitude of communion and submission and communication with the Lord, you're on track to, to, to actually practice what Paul's speaking about here, about praying without ceasing. So think about some of these things that I'm suggesting here. What does it look like to actually live in communion with the Lord? What does it look like to live in submission to the Lord? What does it look like to live in a context of perpetual communication with the Lord? I think that those things matter. You know, if you're living in communion with the Lord, you're in a spot where the Lord's your priority, and you're living in fellowship with Him, and you're highly conscious of the fact that He is omnipresent, that He is everywhere. You're not compartmentalizing God and saying that He's just in this small segment of your life. You're saying, the Lord is with me in all contexts. The Lord is in every context. And I, and, and I recognize His presence with me, and I recognize the fact that I'm living my life in the midst of His presence in all contexts. And I'm seeking to submit myself to Him. I'm not trying to elevate myself over the Lord or over His will. I'm seeking to live in submission to Him in every context that He places me in. And I'm mindful of the fact that I can communicate with the Lord and listen to the Lord in every context that I'm in. Sometimes we overcomplicate prayer. Now, I think, I think prayer is something that we should be specifically carving out time for. I think that we should be praying in accordance with the Lord's will. I think we should be praying in the name of Jesus Christ. I think these are all things that Scripture tells us very specifically about prayer. But I think sometimes we overcomplicate prayer and compartmentalize it in such a way that we forget that the Lord has called us to be living with a deep awareness of His presence with us in all context. And so I should be continually listening to the Lord as He impresses upon my heart His will, and I should be at any given moment able to communicate to Him in the sense of, of giving Him praise or confessing something to Him or asking Him to intervene in my life or lifting up a, a, a family member or a friend before Him and asking Him to intervene on their behalf. But we practice this, commu this uh, discipline of praying without ceasing when we live with an attitude of communion and submission and communication with the Lord. And from there, and I just kind of want to set that as a baseline, something for us to consider this evening— I want to show you several important areas where this has a deep and meaningful application. And one area is this. We, or excuse me, when we pray without ceasing, we show that we're perceiving things with the mind of Christ. Now, even before I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I want you to just think about your own life and your own journey with the Lord. One of the things that I've noticed, and you've probably noticed this quite noticeably as well. When you came to know the Lord, when I came to know the Lord, I noticed that He changed the way that I thought. I noticed that He changed the way that I perceived things. I started to begin perceiving things with His mind and from His perspective. He taught me what it means to value the things that He values. He taught me what it looks like to start seeing people the way he sees people and valuing people the way he values people. And so when we live with this attitude or this state of praying without ceasing, 
we show that we're perceiving things with the mind of Christ. Look at what it tells us in 1 Corinthians 2. I'll read from verse 14 down to verse 16, but it says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, as the Apostle Paul was writing these things to the church at Corinth, as the Holy Spirit was impressing upon him to write these specific things down, he reveals several important things for us to understand when we're talking about this idea of praying without ceasing. And he shows us that naturally speaking— a person doesn't accept the things of God. Naturally speaking, we reject God. Naturally speaking, we go our own way. Naturally speaking, we tend to elevate ourselves over God. And so the natural person, the unregenerated person, is what Paul's getting at here. The person who hasn't experienced new life in Christ is not going to accept the things of the Spirit of God. They're actually going to seem like silliness, or the word he uses here is folly. They're going to seem like folly to him. And I've certainly experienced that or seen that online from people's uh, thoughts or, or impressions or comments that some people think that spiritual things are just silliness. They think it's just fairy tales. They think it's folly. This is something that was experienced by early believers during uh, the first centuries. This is something that we experience now. And it's because someone who is in their natural state, someone who is not regenerated through faith in Jesus Christ, is not able to understand the true depth of spiritual things, because the Scripture says here, these are things that are spiritually discerned. But a spiritual person does understand these things, because as the Scripture goes on, it tells us we have the mind of Christ. So the moment you trusted in Christ, you were given the mind of Christ. You were enabled to be able to see things from his perspective. Circumstances, people, history, the things that you're reading, you begin to discern things differently. He, the Holy Spirit transforms your thinking. He transforms your mind. He transforms your perspective. And as he transforms your perspective, as he does this work in your life, what you end up doing is you, you end up becoming more conscious of the Lord's presence with you. And you begin seeing things from his perspective, and as you spiritually discern things, that enables you to begin praying without ceasing because spiritual things are on your mind, because now you've become a spiritual person. You used to be purely a natural person in the sense that you rejected the depth of spiritual growth that the Lord desired for you. But the moment you trusted in Christ, you were made a spiritual person. You were given new life in Christ. You were given a brand new perspective. As Paul says here, he's differentiating between those who don't have the mind of Christ and those who do have the mind of Christ. And through faith in Christ, we've been given the mind of Christ, and we begin to spiritually discern things. And so that impacts the nature of our ability to pray without ceasing. We're given a new mind, and that results in new behaviors, new actions. Another implication of praying without ceasing that we should notice is this. When we pray without ceasing, we're better prepared for inevitable spiritual battles. Now, I don't know how often you think about these things. I, I certainly think about these things plenty, 
Um, but I think I should be even more aware of spiritual battles than I think sometimes I am. And Ephesians chapter 6 speaks about a variety of things from the, the perspective of the invisible spiritual battle that's taking place all around us, where you have Satan and his legions at, doing battle at war with God and, and those who follow the Lord. And in Ephesians chapter 6, I'm going to read from verse 11, and I'm going to jump down to verse 18. But in Ephesians 6, verse 11, we're told this. It says, Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, we'll come back to that in just a moment. But then when you jump to verse 18 of Ephesians 6, it says, Praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So here you have the Apostle Paul speaking to the church at Ephesus, and he's encouraging them to put on the whole armor of God so that they may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So he's trying to make the church aware that the devil schemes against the people of God. He tries to pit us against one another. He tries to divide us over minor issues. He tries to confuse our beliefs so that we don't understand truth. He tries to get us to adopt a worldly perspective. My wife and I were talking earlier today about one of our concerns for believers in this era, and we see this in, uh, in all sorts of uh, denominations. We see this in all sorts of, of people who claim to be followers of Christ, just how prevalent worldly values have become to many people who, who say they follow Christ, but yet they seem to espouse worldliness in many respects. And so we look at that and we think, all right, that's a very dangerous thing. And from my perspective and from my wife's perspective, we look at this and, and seem pretty convinced that that this is one of the schemes of the devil to try and confuse believers who are either unaware or willfully ignorant or, or what. I don't know exactly, but there seems to be among many people, and I know this isn't new to our era, but this is something that, that we as human beings, we struggle with. Sometimes we just, just fall right into the schemes of the devil, and so Scripture encourages us, be aware of this. Understand that this is going on. Hold up everything we believe, uh, everything we believe to the light of Scripture. And then Scripture tells us here, praying at all times in the Spirit. So, you know, if you and I are ultimately going to be prepared for inevitable spiritual battles, we need to be people who are committed to prayer. My power and your power is not sufficient for the kind of battles that we find ourselves in in regard to spiritual things. We need the power of Christ, and that's accessed through prayer. And so Scripture encourages us praying at all times. So it's pretty much the same thing that Paul is saying when you look at uh, 1 Thessalonians 5. There he says, pray without ceasing. Here he's saying, praying at all times in the Spirit, praying at all times. You know, he's saying basically in all contexts, with all kinds of prayers, with all kinds of supplication, so that we'll be alert so that we'll persevere. These are the type of things that we need to be doing. And if we're in this continual attitude, this continual posture of prayer, ready to pray at any given moment, always aware of the Lord's presence with us, always aware of the power of Christ that's available to us in every circumstance, 
when we pray without ceasing in that kind of way, we're better prepared for inevitable spiritual battles. Something else I think is worth noting, and that's this. When we pray without ceasing, we experience victory over anxiety and worry. Now, we referenced this scripture several weeks ago, if you were on the coaching call then, from Philippians chapter 4. It's probably uh, one of the best-known portions of scripture related to worry or related to anxiety. But in Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it tells us this, "...do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding," will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Again, that's in Philippians chapter 4. So when we pray without ceasing, we experience victory over anxiety and worry. Anxiety and worry can creep into your life and my life with very little notice. Just like all of a sudden, boom, there it is. And our minds can easily become focused on it. Our minds can start to adopt it as kind of the way to see our day-to-day life. It can creep in in a way at times that sometimes we're not even fully aware that it's happening. But if we're in a state where we're praying without ceasing, we recognize that we could pray at all times, in all contexts. And when anxiety and worry begin to creep in, we can immediately call it out and and point that out even just to our own attention so that we could commit it to the Lord in prayer and say, Lord, I recognize this because I'm in communion with you. I recognize what's taking place. I'm starting to adopt the worries of this world as my own. I'm trying to do things in my own wisdom and in my own strength, and it's producing anxiety in my life, and this isn't healthy. This isn't a direction you want my life to go in, and we can bring these things over to the Lord in a moment In that very moment, in everything, it says, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, we can let that request be made known to God. And God grants us his peace. He guards our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. I love what that scripture reminds us of. Probably for many of us, that's one of our go-to portions of scripture. It's probably a portion of scripture that that many of us have consulted quite often in seasons where we've been feeling overly anxious. It's probably a portion of Scripture that we've referenced quite frequently if we've ever been in the position to give advice to somebody, another brother or sister in Christ who's been dealing with anxiety, because with such succinctness, Paul outlines what we need to do. Commit it to the Lord in prayer and let the peace of God just ultimately guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. One other thing I want to point out in regard to praying without ceasing When we pray without ceasing, we live with greater awareness and watchfulness. Now, this is a bit similar to what Paul was saying in Ephesians chapter 6. But in Ephesians chapter 6, he was talking about this in regard to the spiritual realm. And in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, and I'll read this from the New Living Translation. The other verses I was sharing were from the English Standard Version. This I'll read from the New Living Translation. But there it says this in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. So when we pray without ceasing, we're living with a greater awareness and watchfulness. Here you have Paul saying, devote yourselves to prayer. I think that falls right in line with this idea of praying without ceasing. We're saying, all right, I'm someone who's devoted 
to prayer. I, I have a devoted prayer life. I want to be a devoted Christian. I want to devote myself. I want to, I want to carve out time in my life, in my day, for prayer with an alert mind, with a thankful heart. I want to grow in alertness. I want to grow in watchfulness. I want to see the hand of God at work around me. I want to be aware of things that are dangerous or spiritually harmful. And when we pray without ceasing, what we're doing is we're living with a greater awareness and watchfulness of the things that are going on around us in the spiritual realm, the things that God is doing. And ultimately, we, you know, we could also lump in that the things that are of a dangerous spiritual nature that we need to be cautious of, and so that we can commit those things ultimately over to the Lord and not allow those things to influence us in an unhealthy way. Paul's admonition, when he's saying pray without ceasing, his challenge, his admonition, it demonstrates a relational pattern of walking by faith, enduring trials, listening to God's voice, sharing what's on your heart to him, and remaining available for God to lead you as he chooses. It's basically a life that's being lived in communion with the Lord. It's a life that's being lived by faith. It's a life where we're recognizing the presence of Christ with us in all circumstances. And so it's not a jump in our mind for us to imagine this thought of, okay, I can communicate to him right now. Because when we're praying without ceasing, we're recognizing that he's with us always in every context that we're in. So this demonstrates this relational pattern of walking by faith. And I also added to this list here, enduring trials. So we're praying without ceasing. We're recognizing that we can endure the trials that we're experiencing because we know that the Lord's strength is available to us in the midst of those trials. When we're praying without ceasing, we're listening to God's voice. I think an important part of prayer is listening to God's voice. So often we think prayer is just giving God our list of requests, but a big part of prayer is taking time to listen to the voice of God as he speaks to us and give him the opportunity to answer our prayers. But I also think that that praying without ceasing involves this idea of sharing what's on our heart with him. You know, just recognizing that whatever we have there doesn't need to be contained in our mind, doesn't need to be contained in our heart and bottled up. We can confess these things over to him. We can, we can be very transparent with the Lord, recognizing that he's with us always. He's seen everything we've gone through. He knows everything we're thinking and everything we're enduring. And we can openly share what's on our heart with him. That's something that many people express appreciation for the Psalms as they're going through the Psalms and they could see the transparent things that David in particular wrote down in the Psalms. That invites us to live in a context where we're praying without ceasing, where we're living in perpetual communion and relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we do so, what we're also saying is, Lord, my life is an open book for you to lead as you choose. If you tell me to to go in a direction, I'm going to go in that direction. I'm going to be someone who puts myself in a spot, as you enable me to do so, where I am apt to listen to your voice. I'll share an interesting story with you of that specific application of praying without ceasing that I was reminded of from my life uh, just the other day. Uh, the, the event actually happened about 20 years ago. And, um, but I was reminded of this the other day when I, I, uh, I grabbed a CD off of, um, it was a CD of Christian music 
that I took off a shelf that I have here in the house. I haven't listened to the CD in a very long time, but we were about to take a drive. And most of the music I have now, I just have on my phone and I just Bluetooth it in my car. But it was a CD of music that I'd never uploaded to my phone. And so uh, I thought, let me grab that CD and bring it with us to listen to in the car. And it reminded me of the fact that that's the second time I've owned that CD. I once owned a previous copy of that CD, but I remember uh, one Sunday afternoon, I was actually in a shopping center and, and uh, I, I came across a group of people that, you know, I was listening to that CD and I thought, you know, I think this group of, of young people need this CD more than I do. And it had some Christian music that I was convinced that they would probably like. I don't know if they liked it or not, but I was convinced that they would like it. And so I took it out of my CD player, put it in, in the, the CD case, and I pulled up to them. And um, I just felt like the Lord was telling me, John, give this CD to that group of guys. And so I rolled down my window and I said, hey, guys, I recognize you don't know me from anybody. And, um, and I, this is probably going to seem strange to you, but here's the thing. I've got this CD. I've been listening to it. I think it's fantastic. Um, I, I just feel like I'm supposed to give it to you guys. So I don't know if you want it. I don't know what you'll do with it, but I'm giving it to you and maybe you'll enjoy it too. And so they were very surprised and they looked at me like I was crazy. But when I gave them the CD, they also kind of paused for a second and just said, well, thank you. That's not what we expected you were going to do. I think since they were young people, they probably thought I was going to scold them for something or yell at them for something. But I just felt like the Lord was telling me, just give them the CD and go buy another one. <laughs> they need it. So give it to them. So I don't know the rest of that story. I don't know if anything ever came of that, if they listened to it, if, if it was something that the Lord used to, to point them to him. All I know is that in that moment, I couldn't shake the fact that I felt like the Lord was saying, John, give them that music. And, um, and so, you know, uh, so the CD that I have now, it's the second one I owned of, uh, of that particular music because I went and bought a second one because I felt like the Lord was saying, give them that one. And so that's kind of like a personal testimony, I could say, of what I think it means to pray without ceasing in the applicational sense where we're saying, all right, we want to remain available for God to lead us as he chooses to do so. Now, in just a second, we're going to open up the mics, and I'll take us on to gallery view in just a second, and, uh, and we'll, we'll take some questions and some discussion. I actually have a few questions to, to start us off with in, uh, in just a second, but I'll invite you guys to stop over at the website, desirejesus.com. We have a lot of information over there. We actually have an article uh, called, um, oh, well, let's see, what, what I titled that, uh, Wise Counsel for Growing Christians, where we look a little bit more in depth in some of the surrounding verses from 1 Thessalonians 5. So I'd encourage you to take a look at that article. You could also find more information there about the healthy discipleship community and some of the resources that we're making available through that. I keep adding a whole bunch of stuff to that, so I hope you'll find that useful. But now I'm going to take us back to gallery view, and I'm going to open this up for discussion. And uh, I can see everybody, so I hope you guys can see me. Uh, feel free when you're going to jump on with, uh, with a response or with uh, an answer um, to uh, unmute your mic when you're doing that. But let me uh, just get us started with a question about prayer that I hope you'll uh, take a moment to answer, and that's this. What tends to prompt you to pray? So I have some things that tend to, to prompt me to pray or remind me to pray, but what tends to prompt you to pray? Is there anything in your life that you notice, you know, when this happens or when I see this, this tends to remind me, you know what, I should be praying right now. What tends to be a, a prayer prompt for you?
Mornings. <laughs> mornings, just mornings in general um, for Desha? Yeah, that, well, I try to set some time aside for that. Um, I know when I've been in low places, that is a prompt for me, and, you know, but I have to remember to thank him in the, in, when I'm on the peak, not just right. in the valley. So um, when I feel like I'm really struggling, then that'll be a signal for me. Yeah. So sometimes the Lord uses a moment of need and also the start of a day, right? Just, uh, just knowing that you want to begin your day um, in a posture of prayer. Um, Don, I see your comment in the, uh, in the chat, but it looks like I'm the only one that could see that. So do you, do you want to elaborate on that for us? Yeah, I think you asked when do, when are we prompted to pray? Yes. Yeah. Or what prompts you to pray? When people, when, when dealing with, uh, with other folks, uh, I need to get in prayer <laughs> in order to know what the, what the spirit would want me to respond. Uh, you know, I, I need to call upon the help of the Holy Spirit to know whether to uh, rebuke or to encourage, you know, whether to put out the tough love or, or be coddling and nurturing. Because for me, my relationship with God's real good. Prayer and meditation between me and God uh, is real good. But when I really need prayer and I have to pray for help is when I'm dealing with people. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. A lot of aspects of life would be a lot easier if we didn't have to deal with people, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. Know? Ministry would be great if it wasn't for the people. Huh? Yeah. I, yeah. I that's right. That one time. <laughs> yeah. That'd be, you, you wouldn't have much of a ministry either though. Right. So there's, you know, the back and forth, but yeah, we were, uh, uh, my wife and I were expressing concern for a friend of ours right now, who's in the midst of a pretty fiery trial uh, in regard to a role of leadership that he has, where he's being very unfairly, um, I wouldn't even say he's being accused. It's not like he's being accused of anything, but um, there are people that want him to take a particular position on a political thing. And and he's trying to to not be overly political about this and over uh, and, and about that. And, and, um, and he's dealing with a, a high amount of criticism as a result of it. And I keep thinking, boy, that's really got to steal his joy for being able to do this. And, and we were even prompted, you're saying like being prompted by prayer or uh, prompted by people to pray. Um, even, you know, I, I'd even, I'd echo that and add kind of our experience, even sometimes watching someone that you love go through a fiery trial. You know, it's just one of those things where you look at and you think, wow, that's got to be hard. You know, what God's asking him to do right now, that's got to be really, really hard. And so we've been praying for a good friend of ours and he's a good Christian man and he's, he's just trying to do the Lord's will and uh, trying to serve as many people as he can. But, you know, it's, perilous times. It's very difficult. You know, it's a very explosive times right now. And he's, he's having a hard time walking that line, I think sometimes. Um, all right, here, here's another follow-up question for you. And feel free, anyone just jump in on these. Uh, and even if you have a comment that's not exactly in line with, with my question, don't hesitate. Um, you know, if there's something that what we just looked at that, that came to your mind, feel free to jump in with that too. But here's another question I have for us. How do you feel the Lord's opened your eyes through prayer? 
So think about that for a second. You remember a few moments ago, I was talking about the fact that, um, you know, we were talking about in 1 Corinthians 2, it tells us that naturally speaking, we really didn't understand the things of God, but through faith in Jesus Christ, we've been given the mind of Christ. And, uh, and so now, you know, as someone who's been blessed with the mind of Christ, as you know the Lord and, and your relationship with him continues to grow, can you think of an, an experience you've had or, or just a moment where you feel like the Lord's opened your eyes through prayer, where he's enabled you to see things in a way that you wouldn't have naturally seen it through prayer? Anyone have an experience like that or an insight you might be able to share? Go for it, Paul. Um, I hope you can hear me this week. Um, Loud and clear. Good. Um, I would, I would, I, I, I don't, there's a lot of things I would love to say. Um, I feel very stimulated by the discussion, but I don't want to hog it. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just say this, that three, that um, I'm a bishop in our jurisdiction right now, the Polish National Catholic Church. Yep. Um, you're called to this ministry. I, I said no three times. And there's a specific way that you go through this. Uh, and it's done at synods of our church. Three times I refused. And the fourth time I was, going to, I was going to refuse as well. But God said, well, listen, you just stand there. You know, just, just stand uh, for that. And I said, oh, okay, I get it. That means he's, I'm not going to have to be a bishop. He just wants me to go through the thing. <laughs> so I went through it, and it went, I went through hell. I'm not going to go through the, uh, all the politics that were involved in it. Sure. It was really a terrible experience. Uh, but in the end, the church voted, and they uh, elected me a bishop of the church. And uh, uh, I came to, during that whole process, I, I got so uh, exhausted uh, trying to figure out the answers that I, I just gave up. And I just said, God, if you want this, you know, you're going to have to show me how to do this. And uh, I came to realize and now I, I, I use it a lot in my episcopacy that God, is, that, that you, well, it's an old line, but let go and let God. Yep. Uh, that you can't do it, uh, that, that God will direct you if you allow him to do that. And, there, there, and I've grown in my, uh, in my um, knowledge of the presence of God. There's a, there's, there, it, when you build up an awareness of God with you, always uh then uh you are going he's going to guide you in the ways that of in, in his will and uh when i when i talk to people about it in church one of the things i like to say i mean this this idea of awareness of god's presence is think about the way you are in church on sunday uh and even if you're not good think about what you think that experience should be when you're in church on Sunday, and being in God, being aware of God's presence, is is going outside the church doors, but maintaining that same attitude. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, um, it changes your it changes you, uh, because when you when you said uh, what I think the your first question was what. Uh, leads you to pray or what yeah or what you prompts you or prompts yeah you. yeah i couldn't even understand how to answer that question because i didn't understand 
I, I don't know what prompts me to pray. Right. But, but it's but it's just an awareness of God, and it it's almost like living a, a, a state of prayer. Again, I'm just saying this because uh, I realized after refusing to be a bishop for three times, refusing the office, uh, and it's a heavy office, but I think a lot of that was false humility on my part because God knows what he wants to do with you. And, uh, you know, he's, his will is going to be done. It's the old Samson and Delilah. She didn't do, he wouldn't do it. So uh, uh, Queen Esther does 500, 400 years later. But it's, it's letting go and letting God. Good example. Yeah. Yeah. And I like, I like the picture you paint there, you know, this idea of we, we tend to be very conscious of God's presence when we're in a, a time of worship with our church family. And what would it look like to maintain that attitude and that posture even beyond that organized time of, of worship, you know? You know, what does it look like to take that into your home? What does it look like to take that into your workplace? What does it look like to take that into your recreation? Excellent. Here's another question for us. I'd, I'd be curious what, what you think about this. And maybe you could kind of just testify with a personal experience. What do you think? So I used the phrase a few times tonight in the, the teaching portion here, uh, this idea of living in communion with Jesus, if you if you heard me reference that. What, like, what do you, what do you think... What do you think about that statement? You know, what do you think that means? Or what, what, do, you, what do you think I think that means? You know, like, like what, what does that statement even mean to you? You know, what does it mean in your thinking to live in communion with Jesus? I know for me, that's one of the ways that I uh, try and wrap my mind around this idea of, of praying without ceasing. I, I think I see a correlation between living in communion with Jesus and uh, praying without ceasing. But I, I wonder what you think that about that statement, that or the, even the concept of living in communion with Jesus. Does anyone want to take a bite at that and kind of react to that some from their own experience? I guess what I would envision, well, I, I envision the actual scene in the upper room but then it reminds me of being in constant constantly like i don't know how to even put it to words like envisioning him with us um talking with him he walks with me he talks with me you know that that kind of uh and and just sharing in fellowship with him among each other and then personally as well Mm mm-hmm like family. Right. And And that's probably good that you said that too, because when you look at first Corinthians 12, where it's talking about the Lord's supper, it's talking about our relationship to Christ and our relationship to one another. Yeah. The vertical and the horizontal. So yeah. Communion with Christ can result in communion ultimately with one another too. Yeah. What else Were, were you, uh, was that it, Desha? I did. I was kind of agreeing with you there. Now. No, yeah, I, I think so. It's hard for me to put to words what I'm actually envisioning. But you uh, also use the word fellowship. I think that's a good, sim, um, you know, simile there, yeah. or synonym, right? Sorry, I have an English uh, professor on here that was about to correct me. <laughs> synonym meant to say synonym. 
Um, I was just going to say that when you're in um, communion with someone, or I think of the word community, it makes me think of people that you spend a lot of time with. And you know how like when you spend a lot of time with someone, you often can predict um, what they think about something mm -hmm. or what they would say about something. And so I kind of think of it as, you know, when you're in communion with the Lord, like you are aware of what he thinks and about things. And so like the, it changes the way you, you think about things because you know how he thinks about things. Mm -hmm. Or maybe, you know, we often talk about this with our kids. Like it matters who you spend time with because you start thinking like the people you spend the most time with. And, um, you know, so like that idea, like the more time you spend with the Lord, the more you are likely to think more like him. Um, and which is obviously something that we should be striving for. Yeah, definitely. Agree a hundred percent. Don, you had your hand up too. Yeah. I was just thinking about the, you know, the verses that talk about us abiding in him and then him living in us and we're one with him. Like he was one with the father. And, uh, when I really feel personally connected, uh, I'll describe it in this way. When, when something is going on, I, I have, um, I have, uh, children I'll say. And, uh, there's been a tragedy that happened in their life with, uh, her baby brother being murdered. And, uh, so they're angry with God and, uh, all of my children now are in their, uh, late twenties to early thirties and they're into partying. And so I'm a preacher and I'm in recovery. So they don't want to hear anything from me because they're mad at God. They don't want to hear nothing about God. And they don't want to hear anything about recovery because they're just getting their uh, more than just their feet wet. But you know what I'm talking about? That, and, and so I can almost feel like how God must feel when he knows answers, when he knows we're heading, you know, down a wrong road. And he wants, you know, and he throws up warning signs and wants to be there to, uh, you know, to show us the right way to go. And, uh, and, and the, the way it grieves my heart, I feel a connection with him that he must feel with all of us as his children, uh, when we don't turn to him and, uh, the, the, the suffering that he, what did he goes through as our sins grieve him? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I can relate to that when I have, there's a lot of people that I know in my sphere of influence, my church family, my recovery family that are literally making a complete mess out of their lives and all their loved ones' lives too. And, and I see that suffering and, uh, you know, I, I, Jesus is a man of sorrows and he, the suffering that he went through and, and, uh, it, I, the words I think I'm looking for is that we have the mind of Christ. Mm -hmm. Like I feel sometimes now that I'm a, now that I'm a grandfather and I've been a father for some time that I, I feel how he must feel when he looks at what we do or what did I, let me say it this way, what I did for so many years before I connected with him. And now seeing that, knowing the truth, uh, it, 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 sometimes it's very hard. And so I feel his pain. Like when David talked about his sin with Bathsheba and uh, having Uriah murdered and all the stuff going on when he, 
when he expressed that he felt that he grieved God, you know, that he sinned against God and grieved his heart. So mm-hmm. I've been feeling that connection a lot lately. So I figured I'd share that because that, that makes me feel in communion with him and a oneness with him that uh, I've never felt that before. But yeah, because you know that. he, you know he understands. Well, what you're saying r- reminds me too of um, uh, in Hebrews where it tells us that Christ is our merciful and you know, where it says he's our merciful and sympathetic high priest. You know where it talks about the fact that he has he can sympathize with everything that we endure. You know this isn't something that's he's not aloof from us. So as he looks at the things that you're wrestling with and the things that burden your heart. You, you're you're seeing things with his eyes and you're recognizing, okay, at one point this was his feeling toward me and uh, now I'm expressing this or feeling this toward my own children and uh, and he gets it. <laughs> he feels and, it and, and he knows it. Happened, you know, surrendering to do it his way. Uh, yeah. There was a way I used to handle things when I was in the construction world and in the world that uh, doesn't work in ministry, and it's not God's ways. It wasn't about turning the other cheek. It was putting a boot on the cheek, you know, was <laughs> kind of how you got made things right. happen. And Remind me and, not and, to and mess with you, Don. Also, <laughs> that, uh, doing things God's way makes me in commune with him. Yep. In with him. Absolutely. Good answer. Yeah. Did anyone else have anything they wanted to share about that? I don't want to skip anybody. Just, I would just um, that everything that was just shared makes me think of uh, when Jesus uh, was was standing before the Sanhedrin uh, the night he uh, uh, just before he went before Pilate, and uh, he looks out and he looks at Peter's face, mm-hmm. having denied him three times. Mm-hmm. And, uh, there's there's a lot in that image that relates to what Dan was talking about, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Very good. Um, all right. Well, here's I have one last question for us. This is what we'll finish up with tonight. What role does prayer play in your spiritual battles? What role does prayer play in your spiritual battles? battles what do you think go ahead carol i think you muted yourself do you want me to unmute you uh yeah you um, am i unmuted you're unmuted okay i don't know how to work these things <laughs> <laughs> it's okay <laughs> but i'm getting there i'm learning you're there you're brave <laughs> yeah i think with my with any of our spiritual battles i've found through my lifetime that I need to start my day off with prayer. If I start off with devotions and prayer, my day goes much better. Because mm-hmm. if I think I can handle things and do it my way, it doesn't always go as good as I, I think it should. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, the spiritual battles, um, I, I'll tell you, God is always there. And I can remember being on my knees at times because um, I just had to be in full communion with him and but yeah, I think if we just take things in our own hands and don't pray and have spiritual guidance from God every day, mm-hmm. um, things don't go as well. Yeah, very good. Thanks, Carol. Sure. I think I've also realized, and I still forget to remember these things at times, but, you know, just praying 
other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even if somebody cuts you off on the Pennsylvania turnpike, you know, it's instead of getting angry, mm-hmm. just say a prayer for them or say a prayer for yourself so you don't get upset. But, you know, um, it kind of alleviates, it, it puts them back on God and it doesn't, then I'm not taking on that situation myself. And I'm, it's a reminder in the bigger picture that it, that, that that battle belongs to the Lord. Yeah. That it's, even something like that in, 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 as an individual thing, but in the bigger picture with what's going on in the world too. I mean, you, you said something earlier that really stood out to me. And I think this has been something that has been weighing on me for a while about it's how easy it is for us to start to see things from a worldly view. That's how I heard it. I don't know if it, how thoughts creep in. Yep. And I think in praying as far as, um, the, that, that warfare, um, it helps to keep me in, um, contact with God and try to like Christ, um, kind of did his thing while continually communing with, with his father. Mm -hmm. Um, he stopped to help people. He stopped to minister to people. He stopped to pray for people, you know, all those things. Um, so in just trying to remember to pray in any, any of the circumstances, what, you know, not just when I need them, but it just reminds me of who's really in charge. So I don't try to take things on myself emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and and, and physically any other way. Right. So that, that's one thing that, that was, um, that came to mind. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's interesting too. Like, you know, when we think about all the things that we're experiencing, sometimes we think that these are all natural battles and, and we start to realize, no, there's there's stuff going on behind the scenes and we need to commit these things over to the Lord and ask his intervention and not try to handle all this in, in our own strength. And there are certain things that will only be resolved by prayer. and um, and And so that's something that's worth keeping in mind as well. Uh, some final thoughts from anyone. Go for it, Paul. I just wanted, I just wanted to also offer this. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of this on YouTube too, if you look for it. But uh, I, I've been thinking about the concept of prayer walking, mm-hmm. and if, if you if you're not aware of it, uh, just go onto YouTube. There there are a lot of um, a lot of uh, uh, if you will lessons on. Uh, and, and people speaking of what prayer walking is, uh, but being being in the presence of God, knowing His, knowing He is always around you, uh, and it, being in, if you will, with, with God will cause you to look at your environment differently. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a couple of uh, mission and evangelism workshops in our church, where I I I, I we worked with prayer walking. And um, we actually went into neighborhoods in cities that we weren't, we didn't live in, and we prayer walked neighborhoods. And when you get, when when you understand that concept, and when you pray, um, that you're you're just praying all the time, uh, or you're in a you're in a when when an ambulance goes down the road and you can hear the the sirens going, you go to prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you don't know who or what, but you know that probably someone's having a bad day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you pray. So I would encourage that as well, uh, because that's it's 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 and it also it reinforces the idea 
of uh, or the the realization that you are in communion with god uh, for us this coming sunday is trinity sunday mm-hmm. uh, the sunday after pentecost and uh, remember we are the body of christ we are the church and just as we are just as the trinity is in full communion with itself uh, we are in communion through our baptisms because we are made children of god so we are we are fully in communion uh, and to understand that concept, God's creation also being fully in communion with him, uh, it, it just raises that awareness of God uh, to, to another level as well. Mm. But prayer walking is a good place to, uh, to start working on that, I think. Wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Good suggestion. Well, thank you guys for, for jumping on the call tonight. Appreciate it. I always look forward to this. Um, at some point, we may have to switch this over to Wednesday night. So do me a favor and let me know if that would work for people or be bad for people, because I want to make a determination before we do that. But we might have to switch the night coming up. Um, but uh, I really enjoy uh, your feedback and your insights. I think it's fun to be able to look at these concepts and uh, just kind of look at an overview of what Scripture says and then discuss how the Lord's applying these things to our hearts, because um, in the counsel of many, there is wisdom. So thank you guys for sharing your, your personal experience and your insights. I appreciate it, and it's fun to be able to do this and see your faces at the same time. So, all right, well, have a wonderful evening, and look forward to catching everybody uh, again next time when we get to do this. Why don't you pray, John, since we talk so much about prayer? Why, wouldn't it be a good idea to pray now on closing us out? I, I love your suggestion. You got it. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for each and every one of the, the folks that are on the call here. Thank you, Lord, for those that will listen to the recordings and the replays. Thank you for the communion that we have through your son, Jesus Christ, where we know that we're in a, a spot where ultimately we can be praying without ceasing, recognizing your presence with us in all contexts and in all areas. Lord, we're just so grateful for Uh, your goodness, and we're so grateful for your love, and we're so grateful for the ways that you remind us of the fact that you're not off at a distance. You're right here with us. You're present with us, and we can rejoice in in the knowledge of your presence. Lord, we're grateful for what you've taught us through your word. You show us that we can give our anxieties and worries over to you. You've told us that we can commit spiritual battles over to you. You've told us that in prayer we gain a greater awareness of the things that are going on around us, and we start to see things with your eyes. So, Lord, we're grateful for these things, and we're grateful for the spiritual work that you're accomplishing in our, in our lives and in our hearts and in our midst. And, Lord, we recognize that uh, those of us on this call tonight, we're in geographically different locations. We represent different local churches, but yet you've united us together as one body in your Son, Jesus Christ. And so we're grateful for the fellowship that we have with one another because of the fellowship that we have with you. And so, Father, tonight we just commit this group unto you, and we pray that by your grace you'd help us to walk faithfully with you in every context that you place us in. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful evening. We'll catch you next time.
Hey there, it's Nicole Eunice, host of the How to Study the Bible podcast, where every single week we join together to encounter God through His Word. You can subscribe at lifeaudio.com.